Welcome to In The Know, a podcast hosted by Caitlin Dager and Samara Dalmenico, where we take a deep dive into the boring stuff to bridge the gap between the law and young people. In other words, giving you your legally blonde moment. I object. Happy Wednesday, everyone. We hope that you've had a fab week. Today we have yet another very, very relevant episode for you, or at least everyone in Australia. Yes, that's right. Coming from you live the day post your Australia Day public holiday to talk everything Australia Day, starting from where it originated, going on to why it's considered problematic by an increasingly large amount of our population, what the hashtag change the date movement is and hashtag abolish the date movement. We are also lucky enough this week to be joined by Courtney Hagen, who is one of two of the hosts of Coming Out Black. We are so excited to have her on the podcast talking about all things Australia Day slash Invasion Day. And also it's our first ever pod collab. So that's really exciting too. But first, my wonderful, gorgeous co-host, how was your week? That was really nice. Thanks. Let's keep it brief though, because this is a really long episode. I've been writing in my sentence a day book and it's really fun. <laughs> okay, is that all? You said keep it brief. Okay. I have nothing to say about my week, actually. It's been all right. I've just been really, really tired, so. Okay, we're late. <laughs> <laughs> Good part of this episode. Back back to the episode. Oh, you know what my update about my week is? It is 35 degrees today and we are recording this podcast in my afternoon sun bedroom and it is hot we do not have the aircon on because we don't want to bother your podcast listening. So think of us this whole episode because we're about two seconds in and I am seriously sweating. By the end of it, we will be hot and angry. <laughs> I mean, is that not us at the end of every podcast? <laughs> okay. I wonder if the listeners know that we get really frustrated by the end. Well, you've just spoiled the whole thing and now they're going to look for it. So oh, thanks yeah, for that. Okay. You ruined the illusion. Right. Back to the episode. We're probably starting this whole theme of doing really selfishly chosen episodes about things that we want to talk about, but also it's our podcast. And as two Aussies, we kind of figured that we owed it ourselves to become more informed about the stuff going on in our country specifically at the moment. And looking at our audience stats, nearly 90% of you guys are fellow Aussie listeners. So this app goes out to you all too. See, not just selfish, Samara. Exactly. So talking about Australia Day, myself personally, in previous years, I haven't really given much thought to the change the date debacle, which I guess if we're talking about privilege, it's a privilege in in and of itself. My consideration of the issue wasn't really deeper than if it upsets a subsection of our population, why not just change the date? And to be honest, before we even did the research for this episode, I wasn't even sure why it was such a big debate or why we even celebrated on the 26th of January. I just assumed that it was the day that Australia was created and didn't give it much more thought. For me, Australia Day in years past has really only meant boogieing away to the hottest 100. I do enjoy celebrating that. So once that was changed, the date kind of didn't really hold heaps of symbolism to me and I haven't really celebrated it in a substantial way since then. I would say though that, and I'm not really very educated about the issues around it, and that sounds really ignorant and perhaps it is, but I think it's important to say that just because we're here on the podcast and talking about these issues doesn't mean that we're standing up and saying, hey, you know what? We're perfect and we're across everything and every issue. Exactly. We are saying, hey, maybe we've dropped the ball here, but we want to learn and we want to be respectful and we want to amplify the voices that should be heard. You and I talk a lot about the fact that I grew up in regional New South Mm -hmm. Wales in a bit of a bubble. So my friends, my family, the people I went to school with all looked like me, all sounded like me, all had very similar experiences to me. So I've found in recent years that I've been educating myself on a lot of different topics, and this is one of them. Hold on a second. We had a quick pause to turn the air conditioning on. Hopefully you can't hear it, but it was just too hot. What are your thoughts on Australia Day? I'm mostly the same in terms of being someone who hasn't been super exposed or I guess educated on anything when it comes to our Indigenous Australians. And like Samara said, I think to a certain extent, there's a lot of issues out there and I get really overwhelmed. And as a Mm -hmm. young person, I've been trying to get across as many as I can. 
but I've sat in the same camp as you, Samara, for a really long time where I've thought that if it's so upsetting to a proportion of our population and the rest of us are like relatively indifferent about the date and don't really understand the symbolism of it, then I don't see the harm in changing it, but I see a lot of harm in keeping it. Yeah, yeah. So this is why we've asked the absolutely lovely Courtney Hagen on the show. It would be remiss of us not to, as neither of us are members of the Indigenous community, and as we say time and time again on episodes like this, we really believe in the power of collaboration. Courtney and Matika host the podcast Coming Out Black, which is dedicated to supporting and celebrating First Nations mob in the LGBTQIA plus community. We did binge listen in the lead up to this episode <laughs> and their candor and openness as well as knowledge and maturity as young women just took us away. So we cannot wait to talk to them today. First, to begin this episode, we are going to give you a bit of a history lesson and run through a little bit about Australia Day. So what we were talking about before and what we'll talk about with Courtney and Belt will make a little bit of sense to you if you were like us and uneducated. Before we get into the episode, just a quick disclaimer. In the No podcast and affiliated content are for information purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice on any matter. For the full disclaimer and further information, please refer to our show notes. To be in this episode, we're going to have to take you back to literally the beginning. The very beginning. Like, <laughs> think even earlier than when James Cook landed in 1770. But back to where this quite horrific, honestly, narrative begin. Prior to 1770, Indigenous people had been living on the continent we now know as Australia for more than 60,000 years, and at least 1,600 generations had lived and died here. To put that in perspective, the Commonwealth of Australia, i.e. Australia as a federation, the Australia we live in now, has only been around for 120 years. So that's a really big difference there. Yeah, huge. So now let's talk about Mr. Cook. You would know him from school. On the 2nd of August, 1770, Captain James Cook raised the Union flag on what is now called Possession Island to claim the eastern half of the continent of New South Wales for Great Britain. Interestingly enough, and relatively anecdotally, I think you'll find most Australians will tell you that Australia Day celebrates the landing of Captain James Cook. But my friends, that is actually incorrect. Let's take you now to January 26th, 1788. And hopefully that date actually does ring a bell from way back when in primary school when we learnt all about the First Fleet and Captain Philip. But if not, we'll gladly explain. So this date, the 26th of Jan, 1788, is the date that Captain Arthur James Philip, commander of the First Fleet of 11 convict ships, holding approximately 1,500 convicts, crew, marines and civilians from Great Britain arrived at Sydney Cove. So on this day, Captain Philip raised the Union Jack, signalling the beginning of the colony. And over the coming 10 years, it's estimated that Australia lost 90% of its Indigenous populations. 90%! Just to add to how horrific that is, mm. sovereignty was never ceded, which means it was never given up by our Indigenous population. So to put these numbers into perspective, I ran some maths, which I'm not usually good at, but I think I got it right here because I use an online calculator. So if the same thing happened to Australia as, it, as we stand now, some 23.11 million of our current population of 25.67 million would be dead in the next 10 years. That's an insane number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 23 million of 25, leaving less than 2 million people of Australia. That's less than Melbourne left out of the whole of Australia. Think of losing your mum, your dad, your friends, all because someone else wanted to live where you did. Pretty shocking stuff. Mm. The three main reasons for this insanely steep decline was direct and violent conflict from colonisers, which many refer to now as a genocide, the introduction of new diseases like smallpox, measles and influenza, and settler acquisition of Indigenous lands. Now, you're probably hearing two different narratives here, one being the English white settler one and one being the Indigenous Australians. On the 26th of January 1788, when Captain Philip claimed Australia for the British, the country was declared to be terra nullius, which translates to land belonging to no one. Here's our little legal spiel for this episode. <laughs> That principle is one that is in international law, which is used to justify claiming a territory without treaty or payment. 
As per our above history lesson, you would know that in 1788, Australia was not in fact Terranullius, as the Indigenous people had been already living there for countless generations, as in over a thousand generations. See the issue we're coming to here? By declaring Australia Terranullius, the British affected effectively denied Indigenous people's prior occupation of and connection to the land. Keep that in mind as we head right back into the history lesson. We will skip straight to the 1800s. In 1818, New South Wales officially acknowledged the 26th of January as a public holiday on the 13th anniversary of the landing at Sydney Cove. Then in 1888, Representatives from Tasmania, Victoria, Queensland, WA, SA and New Zealand joined New South Wales leaders in Sydney to celebrate the centenary of the 26th, making the New South Wales anniversary an Australian-wide one and starting to come up with this phrasing as it being an anniversary or a foundation day for the country. But still not Australia Day. Now to the 1900s. As we were all absolutely hammered in primary school, 1901 was when the Australian colonies federated to form the Commonwealth of Australia, which is how we are today. In 1930, a campaign commenced to have January 26 celebrated throughout Australia as Australia Day. By 1935, it was agreed upon by all the states and territories. However, it was still referred to by a multitude of names, including Anniversary of Federation Day. So not quite Australia Day as we know it yet. Official rumblings of issues with this date and what it represented began in 1938, when as Australia Day was being celebrated, Aboriginal leaders met for a day of mourning to protest their mistreatment by white Australians and to seek full citizen rights. As a nation, the first Australia Day as we know it now was on the 26th of January 1946. This is when the Commonwealth and state governments agreed to formally celebrate this date as a nation. Before this, Australia Day as we know it did not exist. And alarmingly, this date has only been nationally recognised as a public holiday since 1994, 30 years ago. So that answers all the arguments that say this is how it's always been, because clearly it hasn't been. Along this same line of thinking, a national survey of 1,417 Australians in 2017 revealed that only a mere 38% could identify the significance of January 26th, i.e. the first fleet landing in Sydney Cove, and that genuinely 77% of respondents said the date had always been January 26th. It was a pretty small survey, but interesting results nonetheless. Yep. Thank you. Now, popping back to the 80s, specifically 1988, Aboriginal Australians renamed Australia Day as Invasion Day. This was coined to signify the beginning of settler colonialism, which concerns violence towards and dispossession of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. This concept is defined as, and I quote, the ongoing process of denying the history, existence and resilience of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, which is continuing to present day. It involves discrimination and racism, as well as destruction of sacred sites. For example, remember the huge issues earlier in 2020 surrounding the proposed destruction of the sacred Japarong trees in Victoria earlier this year? This basically brings us to present day. There are two main movements that we are going to talk about, and those are abolish the date and change the date. Before this, we just wanted to pause to say that this history is by no means complete. No Oh, it barely even scrapes the surface. So we will leave a bunch of resources in our show notes that you can read through in your own time to get a more complete and proper understanding of Australia Day and Australia's history. So now going into those two movements, the first being the change the date movement. It acknowledges that the 26th of Jan is a painful and alienating day and it denotes the start of colonisation and the suffering of our Aboriginal people. This movement simply advocates to change the date to a new date and use it as one that unites all Australians instead of dividing them. Now, abolish the date is a movement that advocates for no national holiday as there is greater change that needs to happen before the nation should celebrate. This advocates for things like truth-telling about history, a treaty, etc. And these things must be rectified before any celebration is warranted at all. 
This is actually a really interesting point to make and Samara and I debated quite a bit about giving our own personal opinions on this episode as obviously we're not representatives of mm. the Aborig Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community so really do we get to have an opinion at all yeah. on these issues and I think what we did agree on in the end was that as Australians we have a duty to be educated and I think to take a stance where whatever way that is and we shouldn't be the loudest voices but I think being a voice to support either way is a powerful and important voice to have nonetheless yeah I absolutely agree we've been you go Glenn Coco so the position on Australia Day within the national sphere is an exceedingly long and storied one. So we're obviously not going to talk about everything and we strongly encourage you, as we said, to do your own research to form your own position. There have been rumblings from advocate groups since the beginning of Australia Day as we know it. However, the Change the Date movement really gained traction in about 2016. Notably, Fremantle Council voted in late 2016 to cancel its traditional Australia Day celebrations out of respect to Indigenous people. Melbourne Council's Yarra and Darabin also voted to change their citizenship ceremonies on 26, from 26 January for the same reasons. Both councils, which Samara has just pointed out to me, are <laughs> ones that she either lived in or currently lives in. Yes. New South Wales Byron Shire Council has since moved parts of their festivities from 26th of January. And as we all know, and I touched on, well, I mean, we don't, no, if we all know, but most people know. In 2017, the ABC national youth radio station Triple J announced that it would move its popular Hottest 100 from the 26th of January after 60% of listeners surveyed that it should be out of respect for Indigenous Australians. Continuing on, the mayor of the city of Fremantle described the vitriol in the wake of his decision to move citizenship ceremonies as surprising, saying, and I quote, there are those who see this as somehow an anti-Australian act, despite us explaining we're actually trying to be more inclusive of more Australians. There's a long way for this conversation to go, but it is maturing and people are actually coming to a better understanding of some of the challenges of the 26th of January. So moving on with some of the positive changes that have been made in 2018, the Greens signalled that an official priority of their 2018 campaign was to change the date, a move which sparked both praise and condemnation. More recently, Cricket Australia, in consultation with Aboriginal leaders, omitted the use of Australia Day in the title of their scheduled Big Bash game, calling the games simply 26 January Big Bash instead. Notable critics of this move included Carl Stefanovic and bafflingly our Prime Minister ScoMo. We've made it pretty clear at the start of this episode, and probably by the way we're talking about this issue, that both of us are supporters of either the change the date or abolish the date movements, and we're going to touch on this just a little bit further in the episode, but we wanted to look into the opposition. Now, we have spoken about contentious issues before, and we want to get better at talking about both sides and having a well-rounded conversation that includes parts of the conversation that we don't necessarily agree with without also giving voice to racism or harmful content. This is really hard and it's going to be a learning curve for us. But we take on all your feedback and we take it seriously. So that's why we're continuing with this. And now we're going to talk about the other side. Mm -hmm. The federal and state governments have long been harshly critical of any movement away from the 26th of Jan. Three of our recent prime ministers all coming out in very vocal opposition of changing the date, including Gomo, Malcolm <laughs> Turnbull and Tony Abbott. Current PM has a lot to say about the matter in recent years, especially including... This in 2018. Australia Day is 26 January. That was the day that Australia's course changed forever. He has also said, you don't pretend your birthday was on a different day. You look at your whole life's experience, your achievements and a few scars and from some mistakes and things that you could have done better. He has also absolutely slammed Cricket Australia in recent days, labelling their change in terms of no longer calling it the Australia Day Big Bash as and I quote, pretty ordinary. He told reporters on Thursday that, and I quote, when those 12 ships turned up in Sydney all those years ago, it wasn't a particularly flash day for the people on those vessels either. Now we're gonna, res <coughs> we're gonna reserve our critique to the end because we're trying to be impartial. And so we're just gonna leave you with that quote. 
Local councils have been punished by both ScoMo and Malcolm Turnbull for failing to hold their citizenship events on the 26th of Jan. The major criticism, criticism here is that council should remain apolitical, that it is the responsibility of the state and federal governments to make these kinds of decisions. In November in 2018, Home Affairs Minister Peter Dunnan said, and I quote, Australians don't want councils playing politics with these issues, specifically warning councils not to change the date of their citizenship ceremonies. Much of the discussion around keeping the date where it is centres around the fact that January 26 marks a quote-unquote momentous day for Australia. And given that there has been a national recognition of the suffering that it brought for the Indigenous people through the recently implemented events such as Sorry Day and Reconciliation Day, that this should be enough to warrant keeping the date as is. ScoMo has suggested a second national holiday instead to commemorate the sacrifice and pain of Indigenous people. However, has yet to make any actual meaningful movements towards implementing this. In 2019, he tweeted, We should not rewrite our history. Our modern Australian nation begins on January 26, 1788. That is the day to reflect on what we've accomplished, what we've become, and what we still have to achieve. We can do this sensitively, respectfully, proudly, and most importantly, together. Looking more locally now, our Premier Daniel Andrews, Daddy Dan, has long indicated, along with the rest of the Labor Party, including Bill Shorten, that they do not support a change in date. Dan Andrews said, we respect the traditional owners of our land, but then we get on in a really unified way. We haven't extensively researched for this episode the legal logistics of actually changing a date. However, one of the ways is for the states to actually move the public holiday. Even though it is a national holiday, the states are in control of this date. So if the states decided to move the date, it could put pressure on the federal government to also make a stand. This, however, given the attitude of our politicians, seems highly unlikely. So with all of that in mind, I think that everyone is entitled to their own view. Obviously, we've formed our view based on our compassion or our understanding of what the Indigenous people have gone through based on the research that we have done recently, based on the generation that we're part of. The people here in leadership are parts of a different generation, so they obviously hold a different view. But it's really incredibly disappointing and incredibly soul-crushing to have a white politician say that the suffering of an Indigenous person is similar to the suffering of a convict when they're completely separate issues. I think in there, just in case you haven't made the connection, because I know I've said a lot, Samara's referring to the quote from ScoMo earlier that we discussed in the episode, where essentially he says that the day that the first fleet landed on the 26th of Jan in 1788, they were having a rough time because they had travelled so long at sea anyway. He's equating that sort of suffering to the same suffering that an entire population that already lived on land felt when 90% of them were killed in essentially a genocide. A genocide. Mm. It's, it's quite baffling to think really that he, and all, this is what all the backlash is saying in the recent days, that he thinks that that is even a, a comparable thing. Yeah, I, I don't understand. I think it was probably a kind of off-the-cuff mm. thing that mm-hmm. he, I'm sure, very much regrets now. I just wanted to say there too, the point that our federal politicians keep making, especially our Prime Minister, ScoMo, about councils remaining apolitical. As a member of our governmental scheme, Mm. I think councils, just as much as the state government, just as much as the federal government, are political beings and political organisations. The fact that they work democratically and they're elected by the people in their society to to who they represent, if anything, councils are in the best position to change a date or to not change a date, mm-hmm. depending on what their specific group of people that they're responsible for and responsible to decide on. We're obviously not at a point where we can do a blanket ban on having Australia Day on the 26th, but if individual councils can represent individual pockets of our society and that gains momentum, it's the grassroots that make the big changes happen eventually. I think what you said really hits the nail on the head about councils being apolitical. So if you look at the structure of a council, you said they're elected officials to represent their small subsection of the population. They have delegated lawmaking ability. How is that not 
a political entity mm-hmm. if they're essentially just a smaller version of our state parliament. Yeah, exactly. I think it's really picking and choosing where the state and federal government want to put their support oh, and when they're not absolutely. representing what they want, they're going to come back on them. And and doesn't this just speak to every single modernised society at the mm. moment? I mean, refer back to our episode last week, Alexis, one of the people we had on for our American mm. inauguration episode, basically said the same thing about, I mean, I don't want to draw a connection between white supremacists and obviously (laughs) our political leaders, but the idea that people will support certain things or certain, I mean, a certain council or a way of being or a democratic organisation if it suits their needs or their Mm -hmm. political needs or what they are trying to advocate for. And as soon as something occurs that isn't in their best interest or not what they believe in, suddenly the body can no longer be what they once were. Councils have to be apolitical now. They had no issue with them being political prior to something where they didn't support what the federal government wanted. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. We just wanted to say we both vehemently support a change in the way that we as a country approach Australia Day and we have slightly different reasonings, which we'll talk about, but we ultimately come to the same conclusion. We debate a little bit about the differences between abolish the date versus change the date, but... There is one thing we both strongly agree, that there can be no appropriate way to celebrate our nation without consultation and collaboration with First Nations and Indigenous communities. So passionately, we believe that January 26th is unequivocally not the day to do it. It is harmful and disrespectful. We both made really conscious decisions this Australia Day not to celebrate in any way, and despite neither attending the rallies due to our personal circumstances, we chose to be allies in other ways. We educated ourselves on the true history of Australia Day and why it's considered a day of mourning. We had hard conversations with our family and our friends. We read articles written by Indigenous authors in an attempt to broaden our perspectives. Courtney talks really well on the topic of how you can support Indigenous people, not just today or this week because it's Australia Day, but all year round. And so we would love you to listen to what she has to say and really, really take it in and try to implement those things in your day-to-day life. So before we move on to speak to the girls, we were talking earlier today about where we sit on the change the date versus abolish the date movement. And we realized that we actually kind of have different views, which is sort of unusual for us. But also we really, really have been looking forward to the day on the podcast that we mm-hmm. have a shameless-esque shout out <laughs> to the girls at Shameless because we're really trying to emulate you here discussion in a respectful way where we actually disagree. We've chewed and froed about expressing our personal views in the podcast. And obviously in the past, we have shown kind of we're very left-leaning people. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's been really hard to remain neutral on issues where we didn't feel very neutrally about. Mm -hmm. And a podcast is a way to voice a certain opinion. (laughs) Obviously, we always advocate for people going out and doing their own research. As much as we're not members of Indigenous communities, so our vested interest is perhaps questionable. Mm. And we don't necessarily get a say on what it should or shouldn't be. As Australians, Mm. I think that we need to be informed and forming an opinion is part of advocating either way. And so I think that it's important that we have. By no means are we saying this is the right opinion or the wrong one. Mm. But we thought that maybe if we express our opinions, you guys will also feel more comfortable expressing yours and opening up discussions. I mean, that's what we're here to do. We want to have good conversation. We want to debate these issues, but we also want to do it in a really respectful and clear way. To start off, I think, and I say I think because I don't feel a particular connection to Australia Day, as I said at the start of the episode, and I'm not really sure that I really even get a say in this Mm. issue. So I'm really on the fence here, but I think that I'm in the camp of change the date. Whereas you have expressed to me that you are in the camp of abolish the date. Can you explain? Yeah, I did temporarily support the whole change it to May 8, May today. (laughs) I just thought that Australians, we're larrikins, we like to have a laugh. I think that that really emulates kind of what we are as a nation by changing it to a date like that. Mm. But then upon researching, I guess, over the past couple of years, and especially in the lead up to this podcast, with the various training and studies that I've done, I've come to a point where I actually think that changing the date or making it kind of 
a laugh or something is actually not appropriate. And I think, for example, we are currently the only Commonwealth nation that doesn't have a treaty with their first people. Mm-hmm. And I think that a treaty and the idea of a treaty is not something unheard of, being yes. the last ones who haven't done anything yet. And the fact that we haven't done that and we continue to say that we are reconciliating and we are apologising for what we've done as white settlers just doesn't really add up for me. And so I really think that as Australians, we shouldn't, as a country, be able to have a public holiday. We shouldn't be able to celebrate. We shouldn't be able to have downtime over which represents an issue that hasn't been resolved. Like, Mm -hmm. why should we get to have a reward by having a public holiday, whether it's on the 26th or any other date in the year, any other insignificant date, if we haven't properly reconciliated with our First Nations people to do these big and significant movements, like a treaty, some sort of binding agreement with our First Nations to tell them that we care, that we're sorry, and we are genuinely trying to make amends. Because I'm just not seeing that, and I don't think change the date will do that. It'll just deflect the problem to another date. Mm -hmm. That's actually interesting. I, I hadn't thought of it that way, to be honest. To me, I know that I'm extraordinarily privileged to have not had to think about this. It hasn't been something that has even penetrated my radar in past years to be honest I'm not I'm not I don't agree that we should abolish a date why because I think that it's really lovely having a holiday that celebrates our country but I think we can have a holiday okay but by celebrating it as Australia Day whether or not it is on the 26th of January you're celebrating it with a title and a connection to this white colonialism Mm. and I think that the hurt and the pain travels with it I think changing the date is literally just deflecting the problem onto a new date I think that abolishing the date and I mean instead having a public holiday that is say reconciliation day becomes a public holiday instead and we take that day as a day where we apologize Mm. and we take the time to think about our indigenous Australians and how we can be better allies to our indigenous Australians I think that that has a better therapeutic purpose but that's still changing that's still changing the day you literally just said we'll move it to reconciliation day and we'll do it differently but I'm but I'm not changing the date of Australia Day. I'm abolishing Australia Day. And I am instead putting the focus on a reconciliation day. It's not about the day that Australia formed. It's about a day where we unite as a nation. And I think that they're distinctly different things. Just a quick editor's note here. We're still getting used to talking about these things for ears that aren't our own. Our entire conversation is built on the premise of an Indigenous-led response. And we are simply debating the realism or our views from the research we've done. There was a really long pause here. Caitlin had absolutely stumped me and I really had to consider where I wanted to go from here. So that was quite funny. Listen later on when I stump her a little bit. Back to the conversation. I I think that I am sitting quite close to where you are, but not quite the same area. So I think that it's a really, really nice sentiment to have a national day celebrating where we are as modern day Australia. And I know that there are so many issues to go and I know that we need to come forward leaps and bounds before we can ever be a united country. And there are so many issues. I'm not naive about that. But I'm proud to be Australian and what that stands for. And I think that it's nice to be able to celebrate your country. And if the date is problematic, change it. If the name is stifling, change it. If something about the day is hurting parts of our population, change it. That's my take on change the date. Is that wrong? No, like what I'm saying, (laughs) is that wrong with the movement? I just think personally that going directly from one date and changing it to another date is only deflecting a problem. I really think it is. I think that if we just say like, okay, 26 is done. But is change the date, is, this is what I'm asking you, is change the date, the movement, simply just literally picking the date up and moving it to another date? Or is it changing the foundations of the date as well? Well, that's my question. So because I was taking it as to be change the date, fix the meaning, make it more collaborative, consult indigenous elders as to what is a respectful way to move forward with this date to move forward with this holiday to move forward with 
bridging this gap as our country rather than just getting rid of it altogether. But do you think that we deserve a public holiday to celebrate our country before we have properly reconciled with our First Nations? Because my issue is I don't believe we're properly reconciled with them and I don't believe until we're forced to Mm. that us as a federal government, as a state government, as a country and our country's leaders are going to do that. Mm. We are the only Commonwealth nation that doesn't have a treaty with their First Nations. But I think it's all good and well to say that, but the people who are making these decisions, the people who are making the holidays, are never going to do that. And I know that that's not a reason not to throw your weight behind a cause because absolutely, absolutely you should. But to be realistic... Like, the date is never going to just be abolished. They're not going to just give up a public holiday. I think it's more realistic to come and meet somewhere in the middle. I don't think that we deserve to have the option to meet in the middle. I still stand on the fact that I don't think we deserve or we get to decide to celebrate until our Indigenous Australians think that they have, to some extent, been given the respect Mm. and power that they deserve. Let's have a public holiday, but let it be indigenously run. Let them be the board members, the committee for it. Let them have a day that celebrates them. Why do we get to celebrate ourselves as white settlers? And if our current administration, that's very American of me, (laughs) our current federal government or our current state government, both run by white males, are the ones that come up and say we're changing the date. I don't know. I just don't think that it... I don't think it carries much meaning. I think it's superficial. I think what we're saying is exactly the same. We're just saying it in different ways. I, don't, I think that we need a period of time where we don't have a public holiday. So we all get mad at our government and then we can have time to reflect on ourselves and how we have incorrectly or disrespectfully treated Indigenous Australians. Mm-hmm. I think that there needs to be some amount. I'm all for a public holiday as well and I'm all for, I am patriotic. I love my country. I love being Australian. I'm so proud to be Australian. But I believe there's some big steps we have to take. And as an Australian, I know that, We aren't going to take those steps and we're happy living in this kind of I'm not sure area until something upsets us. Taking away a public holiday is going to upset us. Mm. Our leaders are not going to be popular for it. But if they come up and say we need to take X, Y and Z steps before we deserve a public holiday, I think that that's right. But I think the problem is here is it's not the general public who, well, I mean, it is the general public, but for the most part, surveys are saying that 53%, 57% of people support a change to Australia Day as it currently is. Look at the quotes from our leaders. Literally, our Daniel Andrews and ScoMo have both come out to say that they do not in any capacity support the change of Australia Day as it currently is. Our leadership team are not going to come out and say, hey, we're going to take the public holiday off you until you learn to be nice. I think the idea behind it is correct, but I don't think that it's realistic to say that it's ever going to happen. Obviously, it needs to be Indigenous-led and they need to listen, but I don't think that our leadership team is ever going to be or at this stage, or necessarily in the next 10 years, for example, are going to be ones that are going to stand up and say, hey, we're going to change this public holiday because we don't think that we deserve it until we can facilitate a more united country because they're the ones who are standing up and saying, it's fine as it is, mateship, spirit. The First Fleet had it bad too. So they're not going to be the ones to make the change. Now, this is the point where Samara stumps me. I hadn't thought through the practicality and the actual process, I guess, which sounds silly for a legal podcast. Back to Samara, I guess. I think at its heart, it really comes back to the fact that, and I think this is something you'll agree with me here, the date is problematic. It's not inclusive. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do. The name is problematic. I mean, why can't we just call it, I don't know, May 8th, May 8th day, you know? But I think that makes it trivial. I know you're using that as an example, but I think that 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 makes trivial a really deep-seated and problematic and traumatic memory. Yes, exactly. But what I, I guess what I'm saying is why can't our leaders see that this is problematic and work together with the relevant bodies and the relevant people and the committees that have been literally entire organizations that have been 
put in place to advocate for the change of date, to advocate for the reconciliation between white Australians and the Indigenous population? Why can't our leadership team listen to them? And instead of celebrating this archaic celebration of colonisation and literally a genocide, why can't we work together to find a celebration that is going to truly represent how we are as a country. And I'm sorry, I'm so, so sorry, ScoMo, but offering a second date isn't it. Saying that reconciliation day and sorry day is enough isn't it. People are screaming in his face saying that it, it's not enough and he's still coming back to us and saying that apparently it is. And just before I stop chewing your ear off, I have a final few thoughts to contend. I've actually written these ones down too. I'm not overly political, despite the little rant that I just went on. I don't really often follow politics and I don't really often care other than at the occasional scoff, even though I know that I should. But I was really, really shocked at the insular and blatantly small-minded views of some of our elected leaders countless white, extraordinarily privileged members of our community failing to have a single ounce of empathy or compassion. I understand having your opinion and feeling strongly for the date to say the same, that is their prerogative, but I'm astounded by the lack of awareness beyond themselves. Literally mm. just the basic, uh, even just recognising that it's a harmful day, but saying at this stage, we're not in a position to change the date. We're not in a position to make these moves forward. And I nearly fell off my chair reading ScoMo's comments of Thursday. Mm. It filled me with such a deep, deep shame. So whilst I feel relatively impartial about change the date, abolish the date, it would be lovely to have a national holiday to celebrate my heritage, but why should I get to celebrate my heritage when other people do not get to? That's exactly my sentiment. In general, I consider the words of our politicians to be deplorable and alienating and incredibly, incredibly saddening. Couldn't have said it better myself, Samara. I think we sit in the same camp in terms of we are both privileged enough to feel relatively neutrally about the date. Mm. And the only reason I think either of us are advocating for a change or an abolishment of the date is because we see things as a kind of do no harm mm. right now. Mm -hmm. Keeping the date as it is causes a lot of harm to our Indigenous population and is relatively indifferent to us as white Australians. So why would we keep a date here where there's so many disadvantages and literally no benefits to mm. anyone? Mm. And I think though too that obviously it's not our place to decide whether or not a date should be changed, a date should be abolished, what a public holiday should be. I think that ultimately even though we sit at slightly different levels of extreme when it comes to which movement we support. Mm -hmm. We both support a movement towards a some sort of therapeutic reconciliation type of date change or abolishment so that a day is no longer a day of mourning for our Indigenous population, but rather whatever version of Australia Day exists and whatever day we have to celebrate our nation in some way mm -hmm. is a day where all members of our community, Indigenous or white, or anything in between with such a multicultural society, can come together and feel as if we've built mm. this Australia and this modern Australia together yeah. and all feel as if we are genuinely respected and treated equally in that way. And I think that's what a national kind of celebration of our country needs to be. However, I do reiterate that I think that as a country, we deserve almost... I don't want to say punishment, a slap but, the face. but yeah, like a, a moment to be like, hi, we are removing this day because... A bit of a check-in with ourselves. Yeah, that's what I think it needs to be. And I think people will be angry if a public holiday is removed and they want to know why. And that's when they will educate themselves. I just, I just think that it's not going to happen. And if we want to, if, if change really wants to be brought about, you can't be idealistic. And I know... That hurts me. <laughs> that hurts you. I know, I know. And I, it, I think it makes me sound really horrible, but I would rather throw my weight 
towards a cause that I think has genuine ability to make a change rather than one that I, I just don't see as realistic. And I think we say it time and time and time and time again on this podcast, and we'll probably say it again and again and again in the future collaboration is so important Mm -hmm. is so important we need our leaders to sit down and listen to the people that this affect it's not us it's not them Mm, i agree we now head into our chat with courtney hagan one of the hosts of coming out black we'll let her introduce herself because she does it really really well she recorded her chat with us on invasion day after spending an entire day at the rallies and you can hear the absolute fatigue and tiredness in her voice we were amazed by her eloquence and insight and we couldn't be more grateful to courtney for lending her voice for today's episode it brought us to tears to be honest here is courtney hi um my name is courtney hagan i'm a proud bachelor and gubby gubby woman I live in Nam, but I grew up on Gubby Gubby and Yagara country. I co-host and run a podcast and social media support page called Coming Out Black. It's an online support community for First Nations people and allies who want to learn more about the LGBTQIA plus community and what it's like to be intersectional in um, everyday life and what it's like to come out in general and what it's like to come out black in many social situations. My pronouns are she and her and I identify as a lesbian. When you hear the words Australia Day, what does this mean to you and why? When Australia Day gets mentioned, I think it brings up um, a whole lot of fatigue, really. Um, I think about the fight that not only myself in my 25 years of living, but my family and my family's family and generations and our ancestors before us have been a part of since colonisation, but particularly since 1938 um, as part of the day of mourning and the protests that have followed now for 80 plus years, which have been consistently ignored and rejected. It brings up that, that feeling of disappointment I suppose I feel like it's been so long now and we're still getting ignored um basically just asking for fundamental human rights um which is a lot bigger than just this date but when you think about the history of this day and the way that it gets perceived talked about in the media for so long which has now shaped the way that a lot of non-Indigenous Australians and some First Nations people here in Australia as well, the way that they think about the day. It's really hard to counteract that rhetoric that's been going on for so long and some people's views are really hard to dismantle or change. So it's a difficult one because it's very fatiguing, yet I feel so empowered every single time that I see more and more First Nations people and non-Indigenous allies standing beside us and and fighting for recognition, respect, but also looking at the bigger picture that it's not just about this date, it's about the state of the country that's worth celebrating. Um, I'm not sure if we're there yet, but I really hope that this movement continues to go in the right direction for us as First Nations people. Could you now please take us through the change the date and abolish the date movements? Yeah, um, so I think abolishing the date and changing the date are two very separate um, stances. However, I think they both have very similar fundamental um, components that are really important to consider. Changing the date would definitely be something that would be incredibly respectful for First Nations people. There's nothing more dehumanising and almost kind of somewhat demonic in a way that, and cruel the way that we celebrate the genocide of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people on Jan 26 by celebrating Australia Day. And it's one of these things that whether you intend to or not, fundamentally, no matter what your intention is, no matter what you do for the First Nations community, no matter if you have an Aboriginal friend that says it's okay, it's one of these things that you look at the fundamental 
aspects of what happened on this day historically, whether you choose to ignore it or not, no matter how you feel, it still celebrates the genocide and rape, murder, dispossession, stolen land, stolen wages, stolen water, stolen food, etc. It celebrates all of those things and everything that's happened ever since, whether you think it does or not. So changing the date to a day that is not on the day that marks the morning of what's happened historically. I think we're really far away from moving forward together as a country if we can't just move a public holiday. I know that it's entrenched in some form of traditionalism, but we do know that the date has been celebrated on many other days. So it really is that simple, but I think it's the actual audacity of any national leadership to not even consider it, to my knowledge, or move it, um, which is a major issue because that sends a lot of larger message to us that this thing that's actually slightly smaller than all of the other issues that are surrounding what's happened because of colonisation, it just sends this message that like, oh, well, that sucks, but we're going to get, you know, really, really drunk and celebrate um, something so horrific. So then looking at that, I think that sort of creates a foundation of the Abolish the Date movement because when you look at all of those things out in front of you, there's no reason why you would want to celebrate a country that is proud of that. You know, I, I think about the stories of, you know, the way that some, what, what would you call them, settlers, um, you know, dug babies into the ground and then kicked their heads to see how far they would go. Like, there was just cruel massacres and history that's been swept under the rugs. Our kids are only now just learning. And, you know, I'm 25 years old and I never learned anything about my own culture in schools and I went to a relatively good private school growing up. It's astonishing. And if we as a country are not ready to have those conversations and not only just be sorry about the history, which we've definitely had a government apologise, but not all governments have, firstly. But secondly, if we're not willing to educate the country, which creates people's perspectives on not only First Nations people, but many significant dates and components of our history, we're not going to be able to move forward. And this is a history that we can all share. Um, it's an incredible history of First Nations culture that exceeds 65,000 years, which I'm so incredibly lucky to have running through my DNA and my bloodline and something that we could all, inclusive of non-Indigenous or non-First Nations Australians, could take pride in, but we're just not there yet. And I think if we had some national leadership to really progress to all those things, we're, we're really set up to actually have that reconciliation that we keep speaking of and to have better outcomes and better quality of life. We can contribute more to equity. We can contribute more to positive social and racial relations between non, non-Indigenous people and people of colour, First Nations people, refugees, etc. There's so much more that we can do if we just... Um, dismantle some of the white supremacy structures that have created this country it doesn't mean we don't have a good country if we have a horrible past I think we can't celebrate a country that has such a deep dark past and I heard a quote only this morning at the dawn service for um, invasion day and a guy said um, you know we can't find enlightenment unless we recognize the darkness so I think that's something that we could really take on, not only as a society as a whole, but every single individual person listening to this right now could take that into their own their own lives and deconstruct the social subconscious biases that we've all been taught from the way that this country's been created and the way that our parents and their parents have been taught things and um, stop the cycle with us and start creating a, a country that is built on empathy and can be a, a country that we all can celebrate for a national day. That was incredibly poetic and eye-opening. 
Now, moving on to our next question, as two white Australians, how can we support this movement? How can we be allies to our Indigenous community? Awesome. Um, I think I referred to a bit of it then in the last question, but there is so much resource, literature, media, podcasts, influences, if you follow social media, Um, We have Indigenous media resources like NITV, the National Indigenous Times, Koori Mail. Um, We have music. We have a plethora of black academics who have done so much, not only for the, the Australian research as a whole, but for First Nations affairs and things like that. Um, most importantly, I think it's just stay engaged. Don't wait for NAIDOC week. Don't wait for Reconciliation Week or another Black Lives Matter movement to contribute. You can always be doing something, whether it's buying from black businesses, whether it's supporting a First Nations charity, whether it's, you know, engaging with Indigenous businesses when you go out to tender rather than buying things that are overseas if you have a small business it's donating your penalty rates on um january 26 to an indigenous foundation or a charity and it's also having those conversations with people around you that are misinformed or ignorant or not as educated as well create a safe space to have conversations Um, be aware that you can never speak on behalf of Indigenous people, but sometimes the most important conversations when it comes to changing people's minds or breaking down that, um, that, that past subconscious bias is, you know, talking to your best mates and kind of influencing that positive talk about whatever it is. But most importantly, it's showing up, um, show up to First Nations festivals, show up to our rallies, show up to the dawn services, show up on social media. If there are things going on and there's bad comments everywhere, comment with positivity. I think that's something that um, is so toxic for First Nations people to see whenever this debate comes up as well. As many of other issues around First Nations affairs is, you know, mainstream media will put it up and then you see so many people just absolutely trolling the hell out of it i think a lot of people do like it but often people just like it and not comment that it's great so there's a great opportunity to drown out a lot of that hate and negativity by commenting positive things and um that's that's only a few things um there's a great website called pathtoequality.org.au that um, some incredible allies have set up for people that want to take those first steps and not sure what to access or where to go. Thank you so much for that. Do you have any final thoughts, comments, reflections? Yeah, uh, it was incredible being in Melbourne today at the Invasion Day slash Survival Day rally. Um, Incredible to see so many new people that have never protested out there on the streets despite the the pandemic that we're in but everyone did it in such a COVID safe way and despite this being the most draining um, part of the year for myself individually and for First Nations people as a whole it was really energizing to be out there today and um, it's a great indication of where hopefully I, I think we are going as a society and for Further thoughts and comments, um, I'd really like to plug um, a fundraiser that we're doing for a trans Aboriginal man who is getting a chest um, operation, a top surgery. Um, We are trying to fundraise an extra 2K and we're really hoping that anyone listening could potentially donate anything that you have um, spare to to his surgery, which... um, the link is on my own individual Instagram page. But thank you so much for 
providing me the opportunity to share my thoughts and feelings. What an incredibly chock-a-block episode. Now you are in the know. Thank you so much for tuning in today to this incredibly important topic. It was super important for us to have Courtney on the show and we are so glad that we were able to delay this episode by 24 hours to be able to have her on. And again, we're so grateful to be able to share her perspective. All resources for today's episode are in the show notes. And if this has brought anything up for you, please get in touch with the relevant bodies. As Courtney touched on, this time of year can be emotionally draining and Lifeline can be contacted on 13 11 14. Please, please, please make sure you tune in to Coming Out Black. Chuck them a follow and some love. They are building an incredible community. And as you would have heard from Courtney, they are knowledgeable and passionate and produce a really amazing show. We will include a link on our Instagram to their page and also a link to the GoFundMe to donate to Ryan's top surgery. We are, as always, an independent podcast recording this from various locations as we go about our busy day. Your support in getting our names out there is what is going to keep us going. Subscribe on your favourite pod streaming service, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at inthenow underscore podcast. Have a really amazing week and we will be back in your ears on Wednesday.